Rushkulum or the Wise Simpleton, A Legend of Clare, by J. M. Teague. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rushkulum or the Wise Simpleton. Corney Naylan, our village schoolmaster, when any question of arithmetic may be proposed to him, which he is in no humour to answer, and would rather turn off by a joke, has been frequently known to reply to it by asking another question like this. Now, boys, you're striving to puzzle me, and I'll engage none of ye can answer something that I'll ask you now. What is it, Corney? Let's hear it. How many grains of oaten mill are contained in one given square foot of stirabout? This, in its turn, a poser. But probably the number of schemes tricks and contrivances in an irish cranium might be found as hard to be enumerated as the grains of meal in the aforesaid foot of stirabout thus while around the blazing turf fire on a winter's evening the story the pipe and the joke take their rounds by turn you will invariably discover that that tale always gains a double share of applause which may contain a relation of some clever successful scheme or trick or the sayings and doings of some remarkably clever fellow albeit perhaps a great rogue in fact such stories as these are suited to the conceptions and tastes of a shrewd and ready-witted people but without tiring my reader with any more shanikus for so we term palaver in clare let me endeavour to present him with one of these very stories which if it boasteth not of much interest may perhaps amuse him by its originality honour to that man whomsoever he may be who first rescued these curious legends from oblivion and found in our irish penny journal an excellent repository for their safer preservation the reader must not be surprised if my story contains a slight dash of the marvellous probably bordering on the hyperbolical but this which i verily believe is but a kind of ornament something superadded by the genius of the narrators as it has descended must be taken as it is meant and will in most instances be found capable of translation as it were into language easily and naturally to be explained a very long time ago then somewhere in the western part of the province of munster lived in a small and wretched cabin a poor widow named Maureen Mera. She had three sons, two of whom were fine young men, but the third, and of him we shall soon hear a good deal, though strong and active, was of a lazy disposition which resulted, as his mother at least always thought, not so much from any fault of his own as from his natural foolishness of character. In fact, she really considered him as of that class called in Ireland naturals but before we say anything of the third son let us trace the histories of his two elder brothers now the first whose name was michal moore or michael bigfellow either that he considered the small pot of land which his mother held quite unable to support the family or was actuated by some desire to improve his condition away from home never let his mother rest one moment until she had consented to his starting in order that he might as he said should he fall in with a good master return and make her comfortable for the remainder of her days 
to this plan after much hesitation maurin mera at length agreed and the day was fixed by michal for starting and mother said he though you have but little left and it is wrong to deprive you of it if you would but make me a fine cake of wheaten bread and if you could but spare me one of the hens ah that would be too much to ask against the long road could you mother why not michael i could never refuse you anything and you will want the cake and the hen badly enough and michal avic astor if you should ever meet one of the good people or anything you may think isn't right pass it by and say not a word it was evening when he began his expedition nor did he stop on the road till daylight returned when he found himself in the centre of a wood and very faint and hungry seeing a convenient-looking rock near a place where he thought it most probable he should find water he seated himself with the intention of satisfying his hunger and thirst he had not been many moments engaged in eating some of his bread and had just commenced an attack on the hen by taking off one of her wings when there came up to him a poor greyhound which looked the very picture of starvation greyhounds are proverbially thin but this was thinner than the thinnest and it was easy to see had doubtlessly left at home a numerous young family michal moor was so very intent on eating that he heeded not the, imp the imploring look of the poor greyhound and it was not till wonderful to say she addressed him in intelligible irish that he deigned to notice her but when the first word came from her mouth he was sure she must be one of those against any communication with whom his mother had so emphatically warned him and accordingly determined to apply her maxim strictly to the occurrence you are a traveller i see said the greyhound and were doubtless weary and fainting with hunger when you took your seat here i am the mother of a numerous and helpless family who are even now clamorous for subsistence this i am unable to afford them unless i am myself supported you have now the means afford it to me then if only in the shape of a few of the hen's small bones i will be for ever grateful and may perhaps be the means of serving you in return when you may most want and least expect it but michal continued sedulously picking the bones and when he had finished he put them all back into his wallet still resolving to have nothing whatever to do with this fairy represented as he imagined by the greyhound well she said piteously since you give me nothing follow me you are perhaps in search of service my master who knows not my faculty of speech lives near he may assist you and see she continued as he followed behold that well had you relieved me it was in my power to have changed its contents which are of blood to the finest virgin honey but the honey is beneath the blood neither can it now be changed however try your fortune and if you are a reasonably sensible fellow i may relent and be reconciled to you michal still answered not a word but followed the greyhound until she came to the gate of a comfortable farmer's residence she entered the door and michal saw her occupy her place at the side of the fire and that she was quickly besieged by a number of clamorous postulants whose wants she seemed but poorly adequate to support at a glance he perceived that the house contained a master and a mistress 
but an old lady in the chimney-corner having by her a pair of crutches made him quail by the sinister expression of her countenance still nothing daunted he asked the master of the house at once for employment plenty of employment have i friend and good wages answered he but i am a man of a thousand and i may also say not one man of a thousand will stop with me in this house and may i ask the reason of this sir said michal taking off his hat respectfully i will answer you immediately but first follow me into my garden there said he pointing to a heap of bones which lay bleaching on the ground they are the bones of those unfortunate persons who have followed in my service if now therefore you should so wish you have my full permission to depart unhurt if you will brave them hear now the terms on which i must be served sir answered michal you surprise me i have travelled far have no money neither any more to eat say therefore your terms and if i can at all reconcile myself to them i am prepared to stop here you must understand then said the farmer that i hold my lands by a very unusual tenure this is not my fault however you will find me an indulgent master to you at all events for in fact you may chance to be my master as much as i yours or perhaps more for these are the terms if i at any time first find fault with any one thing you may say or do you are to be solemnly bound to take this pointing to an immense and sharp axe and forthwith without a word strike me till i shall be dead but should you at any one time first find fault with any of my words or actions i must be equally bound to do the very same dreadful thing to yourself blame me not therefore should you find fault with me for it will be my destiny nay my duty to do as i have described and on the contrary if it happen otherwise i must be ready to submit to my fate consider and reply oh my master said michalmont i have but the alternative of salvation i am in a strangely wild country without a friend i must die if i proceed and nothing more dreadful than death can happen to me here i therefore throw myself on your compassion and agree to your terms they then returned to the house and michal felt somewhat refreshed even by the smell alone of the savoury viands which the mistress was then preparing for the afternoon's repast the greyhound too cast occasionally wistful glances towards the operations going forward at length the dinner hour being all but arrived the old lady in the chimney-corner then opened her lips for the first time since michal had come in and expressed a wish to go out and take a walk for said she i have not been out for some weeks ever since our last servant left us what is your name my man so he told her come out then said she michal and assist me about the garden for i am completely cramped michal muttered a few words about dinner hunger and so on but was interrupted by the farmer who said michal you must attend my mother she has sometimes strange fancies besides remember our agreement do you find fault with me oh by no means sir said michal frightened i must do my business i suppose the dinner was actually laid out on the plates to every one when michal and the old lady walked out 
no sooner had they done so than the greyhound before she could be prevented pounced on his dinner and devoured it in a moment the old lady thought proper to walk for some hours in the garden and now was Michal very hungry for he had tasted nothing since he had finished the hen early that morning he almost began to wish that he had relieved the greyhound when they came in at last the supper was being prepared Michal was now quite certain that his wants would be attended to but how woefully was he doomed to be disappointed for no sooner had they entered the house than the accursed old lady seized a large cake of wheaten bread which was baking on the embers and hastily spreading on it a coat of butter directed Michal to attend her again into the garden he could say nothing for his master's eyes were upon him he was completely bewildered in despair he went with the old lady and as it was a lovely moonlight night she stopped out an unusual time and it was very late when they came in michal stretched himself quite fainting on the bed but slept not a wink how i wish now thought he that i had given the greyhound not only the small bones but even half my hen the next morning the family early assembled for breakfast and again were the cakes put down to bake over a glowing fire again did the old lady seize one and command michal into the garden he was now completely exhausted and determined to expostulate with his master when he came in went up to him craving some food no said the farmer we never eat except at stated times and my mother keeps the keys ah sir have pity on me answered michal how can i exist or do your business and can you blame me said the master michal now quite losing sight of the agreement and confused by the question put in so treacherous a manner answered that of course he could not but blame any person who would permit such infamous conduct here was the signal michal in his enfeebled state was no match for the sturdy farmer and in a moment his head was rolling on the floor by a vigorous stroke of the fatal axe while grins of satisfaction might be seen playing on the countenance both of the old lady and her greyhound the feelings of the poor widow may be imagined when no tidings ever reached her of her michal more but on the expiration of a year the second son porthrick douve or patrick blackfellow so called from his dark complexion also prevailed on his mother to let him go in search of his brother and employment but why should i describe again the horrid scene let me satisfy you by merely saying that precisely the same occurrences also happened to poor porthrick douve as that his bones were added to those of his brother and of the other victims behind the farmer's garden but when in the course of another year neither michal nor porthrick appeared the widow's grief was unbounded how was she then astonished when the fool as he was always called although his real name was rushkulum actually volunteered to do the same nothing could stop him go he would so the cake was baked and the hen was killed and roasted and rushkulum the fool set out on his expedition and there at the rock in the wood was that very same greyhound and as soon as she had looked him in the face he said why poor thing i have here what i cannot eat and you seem badly to need it here are the bones and some of this cake it was then the greyhound addressed him 
"'Come with me,' said she. "'Lo, here is the well, of which your two brothers could not drink. "'Behold, here is the honey on the top, clear and pure, but the blood is far beneath.' "'When the fool had satisfied himself at this well, "'he followed the greyhound to the farmer's house. "'It may be barely possible that by the road he received from her some excellent advice.' The conversation that ensued when Rouge arrived at the farmer's and offered himself for his servant was much of the same nature as I have before detailed, while relating the former part of my story. But, said Rouge the fool, I will not bind myself to these terms for ever. I might get tired of you, or you of me, so if you please I will agree to stop with you for certain till we hear the cuckoo cry when we are together. To this they agreed, and went into the house. However, just before they stepped in, the farmer asked Rushkulum his name. Why, said he, mine is a very curious name. It is so curious a name, indeed, that you would never learn it. And where is the occasion of breaking your jaws every time trying to call me Pondrakalutha Shokun, which is my real name, when you may as well call me always the boy? "'Well, that we will do,' answered the master. "'The dinner was now prepared and laid out on the plates, "'and the old tricks about to be played. "'Rushkulum, as with the others, could not find fault, "'for, fool as he was, he knew the consequences. "'As he went out with the old lady, she too inquired his name. "'Why, really,' said he to her, "'mine is a name that no one, I venture to say, was ever called before.' All my brothers and sisters died, and my father and mother thought that perhaps an unusual queer kind of name might have luck. So they called me Mahane. And, reader, if thou understandest not our vernacular, know that Mahane signifies in English myself. They spent some hours, as usual, in the garden, and Rushkulum returned tired and exhausted. But when he expected to get his supper, and when she again brought him out, and ate the fine hot buttered cake before his very eyes, it was more than flesh and blood could stand. However, he pretended not to mind it in the least, and was very civil to the old lady, amusing her by his silly stories. "'And now, ma'am,' said he, "'let us walk a little way down this sunny bank before we go in.' Certain it was that the sun did happen to shine on the bank at that very time, but it was to what were growing on it that he wished to direct her close attention, for when he came to a certain place, where there was a cavity filled by a rank growth of nettles, thistles, and thorns, he gave his charge such a shove as sent her sprawling and kicking in the midst of them, uttering wild shrieks, for the pain was great. But Rushkulum had no notion of helping her out, and ran into the house, which was some distance away, desiring the farmer to run, for that his mother would walk there, and had fallen into a hole, from which he could not get her out. And then the farmer ran and cried, "'Oh, mother, where are you? What has happened?' "'Alas, my son, here I am, down in this hole. Help me out. I am ruined, disfigured for life.' "'And who is it?' said the farmer, "'that has dared to serve you thus?' "'Oh,' said she, "'it was Mahani.' Mahane aver Mahane. Myself has ruined myself. Who? said the farmer as he helped her out. Oh, it was Mahane. 
answered she. Mahane avel mahane. Well, then, said the farmer, I suppose it can't be helped, as it was yourself that did it. So here, boy, take her on your back and carry her home. It was but an accident. So Rushkulam carried her off and put her to bed, she all the time crying out, Ah, but it was myself that ruined myself, till her sons thought her half cracked. She was quite unable to rise next morning, so Rushkulam, the fool, made an excellent and hearty breakfast, which he took care also to share with the greyhound. But then the old lady called her son to her bedside, and explained how that it was the boy who had done the mischief. "'And I command you,' said she, "'to get rid of him, and for that purpose desire him at once to go and make Guise na Guise na Gourash, the road of the sheep's feet, that you have long been intending to do, and then to send him with the flock over the road to the land of the giant. We shall then never see him more, and it is better to lose even a flock of sheep than have him longer here, now that he has discovered our trick.' The farmer called Rushkulam to him, and taxed him with what he had done to his mother. "'And,' said Rushkulam, "'could you blame me?' "'Why, no,' answered the farmer, remembering his part of the agreement. "'I don't blame you, but you must never do it any more. "'And now you must take these,' pointing to the sheep, "'and because the bog is soft on the road to the land of the giant, "'you must make the road of sheep's feet.' for them to go over and come back when they are fat and the giant will support you while you are there do you blame me for that no said rushkulam driving away the sheep but contrary to all their expectations in an hour's time in marched rushkulam covered with bog dirt and blood oh said he i have had hard work since and made a good deal of the road of the sheep's legs but indeed there are not half enough legs after all and you must give me more legs if you would wish the road made firm and you rascal do you tell me you have cut off the legs of all my sheep every one sir did you not desire me do you blame me oh dear no by no means only take care and don't do it any more they went on tolerably for a few days for they were afraid of rushkulam and let him alone till one morning the farmer told him he was going to a wedding that night and that he might go with him well said rushkulam what is a wedding what will they do there why answered the farmer a wedding is a fine place where there is a good supper and two people are joined together as man and wife oh is that it i should like much to see what they'll do well then you must promise me to do what i'll tell you with the horses when we are going why what shall i do oh only when we are going don't take your eyes from the horses till we get there then have your two eyes on my plate and an eye on every other person's plate and then you'll see what they'll do rushkulam said nothing they went to the wedding but when they sat down to supper all were surprised to find a round thing on their plates covered with blood and not looking very tempting but the farmer soon guessed the sad truth and calling rushkulam aside he sternly asked him what he had done can you blame me answered the provoking rushkulam did you not desire me not to take the eyes from the horses till i got here and to put them on the plates and two on your own plate 
and that i would see what they would do then oh don't imagine i blame you said the farmer but i meant your own eyes all the time and mind me don't do it any more they were all by this time heartily sick of Gushkalem, especially the old lady who had never left her bed and one morning feeling something better she called the farmer to her bedside and addressed him thus you know my son that your agreement with that rascal will terminate when you both shall hear the cuckoo now in my youth i could imitate the cuckoo so well that i have had them flying round me put me up therefore in a big holly bush take him along with you to cut a tree near and i will then cry cuckoo cuckoo and the agreement will be broken said she chuckling to herself this seemed a capital idea so the farmer lifted his mother out of bed and put her up into the holly bush calling rushgulum to bring the big axe for that he intended to fell a tree rushgulum did as he was desired and commenced cutting down a certain tree which the farmer pointed out and not long had he been thus engaged when the old lady in the holly bush cried out cuckoo cuckoo ha ah, what's that said the farmer that sounds like the cuckoo oh that cannot be said rushgulum for this is winter but now the cuckoo was heard beyond a doubt well said rushgulum before i've done with you i'll go and see this cuckoo why you stupid fool said the farmer no man ever saw the cuckoo never mind said rushgulum it can be no harm to look wouldn't you think now that the cuckoo was speaking out of the holly bush oh not at all perhaps she is five miles away come away at once and give up your place did not we both hear her stop said rushgulum stay back don't make a noise there did you not see something moving ay that must be the cuckoo so saying he hurled the axe up into the holly bush with his whole force cutting away the branches scattering the leaves and berries and with one blow severing the head from the shoulders of the farmer's mother oh said the farmer my poor old mother oh what have you done you villain you have murdered my mother and said rushgulum seeming surprised i suppose you blame me for this do you and now the farmer taken by surprise and in the heat of his passion answered how dare you you black-hearted villain ask me such a question of course i do have you not murdered my mother alas my poor old mother oh very well said rushgulum as the farmer continued looking at his mother and lamenting perhaps you also remember our own little agreement i have but too good reason to think that you and your accursed old mother by your schemes caused the death of my two fine brothers but now for the fulfilment of my share of the bargain in a moment the axe descended on his head and rushgulum the wise simpleton having now got rid of his enemies took possession of all the farmer's property returned home for his mother and lived free from care or further sorrow for the remainder of his happy life but he never forgot the services of the greyhound and never allowed her to want and here let us conclude our legend by observing by way of moral be ever charitable to the distressed whether of the brute or human kind for you know not but that they also may belong to the ranks of the good people End of Rushgulum or the Wise Simpleton 
A Legend of Clare by J. G. McTeague.